You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and there's a lot of times where I've gone to marketing events, I've passed out business cards, and I come home and I'm on 17 new email lists. That's the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> One of our listeners asked us to talk about hostage marketing. and <laughs> <laughs> I still love that. I think that's a great way to describe it. Hostage marketing. Ah. And really what this, what this is, is it's the people that you meet that you think that they would be upset if you unsubscribed from their list. And so forevermore, you are signed up to be on somebody's list, seeing it pass through your inbox. And even if you don't open it, you just, it might sit there. You don't delete it. You don't do anything with it, but oh, it's still just, it. you. <laughs> so today's really kind of talking about like dirty things that people do in marketing and how that affects their brand. And in the hostage marketing type world with things like GDPR out now, even if it doesn't affect you know those of us who aren't in the EU, that there, there's a lot more focus on what we're doing with people's data. And it might even be as simple as their name and their email address. But I admit that when I first started my practice, I was, I was guilty of building my email list this way too, in order to send out messages. And I wasn't spammy about it. But in retrospect, now that I've been on the receiving end of this, it probably didn't leave the best taste in other people's mouths about what I was putting out there. And I was trying to just even offer things, you know, here's some useful tips on working with teens. Or here's my new practice. Let me tell you all about it. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's something where there's effective marketing. And I think that's something we want to talk about. There's the impact on your brand. But there's also the laws. I mean, for the EU, there is the permission marketing, the GDPR, which, you know, we probably could not talk super intelligently about, but we'll give a little bit of information on. But there's also laws within the United States about having to opt in and being able to unsubscribe when people send emails. And I think a lot of times what I see is people will do the, well, I'll ask for forgiveness, not permission, and then they can always opt out. It's on the bottom. But that's not strictly legal, I don't think. I mean, having that there makes it better, but you know, rather than sending them emails without any kind of permission or any way to opt out of it. But, but yeah, it's, uh, it's not good. Let's start with what to do right and how maybe hostage marketing isn't falling into this. So opting in, like give people the option of opting in. And you might end up on some people's lists because you've dropped your business card in a bowl at a conference or something like that, where you didn't recognize that by dropping your card in there, there's a little sign that says, by dropping your card here, you're signing up for our email list. Mm -hmm. But with intentionality, you need to provide people the option to opt in and to know that they're signing up. And there's software platforms to do this. If you're doing a presentation, you're passing around a sheet of paper that says, hey, sign up for my list, you're letting people put their own information down. Yeah. And I think it's something where even the stuff that is a way kind of list building stuff. So you have the 
the things where you have some sort of a white paper, which is like an article that you wrote, or you have a cool you know, infographic or a workbook or a checklist, something where you're having people opt in to get it. I think it's even in that situation where they're freely giving their email address and their name in order to get this juicy piece of content from you, it is important to let them know that by doing so, they are opting in to get your monthly newsletter or, you know, some sort of additional information from you. Because I think some people, th- those of us in the know will sometimes grab the juicy piece of content and then immediately unsubscribe. But there's other people who will all of a sudden feel really upset and it doesn't necessarily bode well if the content that you're providing is not something that they were expecting. To be respectful with how often that you send messages to those who are on your list. That if you're telling people, hey, I send out one email a week, and then you start sending them messages every single day, that is going to, again, leave a foul taste in in your recipient's (laughs) mouths of, hey, I can't trust you. And especially in our field, if other professionals can't trust you, you do build a reputation. This does get, might knock you down on their referral list. They might talk about you out in the community as far as not being trustworthy. And it's not anything that's necessarily a illegal business practice, but it's definitely one that it's not looking so good for you. And I think the big piece with that is, and I've been, I've certainly sent too many emails to my list because I was, you know, following marketing strategies about, you know, putting an event out or doing that kind of stuff. And I think you really want to make sure people recognize when they're opting in to learn about something that's going to be marketed more than once a week. But I think it's something where if you're doing that, yes, there is a benefit to sending out content to your people repeatedly. It's when it's a surprise or when it kind of goes over that limit of too much. And I think one of the ways that I've currently worked on not sending out too many emails is having people really opt into specific content. And I've seen other people do this as well, where are you interested in hearing about this event? If so, click here, you know, and we'll keep sending you information on the event. Or are you tired of hearing about this and you're not going to be able to go? Click here so, so that, that the, the email systems that are really quite sophisticated at this point can have you kind of self-select or get tagged to receive more information or less information. And I think if you have the ability to, to use something like that, that can also help your folks to feel really good about what you're providing to them and it's content that they actually want versus, oh, I've just got to delete this thing. I don't know that a lot of the people who invest in those kinds of systems, I don't notice that I'm on the receiving end of multitudes of emails that I don't want to get. Where I do see this coming across my inbox more often is maybe up-and-coming therapists who are first starting to establish their practice who aren't investing in the nicer email systems, the ones that do provide that, that analytical software of looking at who's clicking onto things and what they're clicking into. But it's even people just running from a regular email list where they're BCCing their entire list (laughs) and there's not even an unsubscribe button that's there. So it would require me to send them an email that again is another step of like, ah, do I, do I need to take care of this person's feelings? Do I really want to have that interaction to explain like, Hey dude, you're, you're kind of bugging me in my inbox. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's something where having the unsubscribe button actually is something that can be very helpful related to not needing to to have that personal interaction because 
there are people who I absolutely love. There's stuff that they're doing that I want to hear about sometimes, but I don't necessarily want to have a conversation with them to say, hey, I don't want this anymore. You know, if I can quietly unsubscribe, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a little bit easier. And I think on the receiving end of the unsubscribe, it can, you know, if you're paying attention to it, which I don't know that you should, but if you're paying attention to it, it can feel a little harsh or a little bit unfortunate. But, and I've heard this more and more, and I've gotten myself more comfortable with it. But the more people who unsubscribe and the more people who stay behind, the stronger your list is. If you have a whole bunch of people just getting your emails and deleting them without reading them or, even worse, sending them to spam because they have been receiving too many emails from you. That's bad. That's not good marketing and it's not helpful. And it's it's something where you want to make sure that when you're putting something out, that only people who really want to read it are getting it. Because emails aren't just for visibility. They're actually for people to do something, whether it's engage with your podcast, for example, or to sign up for a workshop or a conference or to refer clients to you. You don't want it to just be an annoyance like, oh, well, I have you know 5 million people on my list. Well, only two people are engaging and the rest are just not deleting. And even worse, the people who add me to their therapy lists that also add me to their side hustle, multi-level marketing lists. Uh, and so yes. now I'm getting offers to makeup parties or <laughs> kitchen cookware parties or anything else. Like, you don't want to go to a makeup party, Kurt? I'm not against it. I just don't want to be <laughs> sold to the entire time that I'm there. Yeah. I think that there's, I mean, if we think about hostage marketing in many different ways, I think there are, there's the the email list that we get added onto that we potentially don't feel we can unsubscribe from. Recently with elections, there were unwanted texts that people were starting to oh, get. I got so many during the, the <laughs> primary elections. I think I had 13 one day. Yeah, and I fe- I figured out if you hit if you respond with unsubscribe or stop, they will stop. I think they they have probably some of the similar laws, and they don't want to be uh, continuing to send you emails after you say unsubscribe because that's they're certainly not going to get a vote. But I think there's also people that will hold you hostage in a networking situation where you they come up and talk to you, and they won't let you gracefully walk over and talk with anybody else. Anytime you are forcing someone, whether it's through an email in an online platform in person, on their text message, anytime you're forcing someone to engage with you, you may get the visibility you want, but you also may be really hurting your brand and hurting your chances that they will want to refer or engage with you or buy your services. And so I think it's really important to remember that even though you're desperate to have more visibility, to get more people walking through your door or sitting on your couch, like don't hold people hostage to do so. And adding to this, don't friend me on Facebook and then immediately ask me to like your professional pages. <laughs> Unless you know me. Unless you know me. <laughs> right. I mean, if, if you know me and we aren't friends on Facebook yet, uh, you know, this is something where I do want to support your businesses. But I've noticed over the last couple of years, especially as I've become more and more involved on professional level things and really even since starting this podcast that there's other professionals that have been requesting me as friends on Facebook and I accept a vast majority of them. My Facebook feed tends to focus more on my professional things that I do. So I don't have any problems with that. But then after I click accept and it's like five seconds later and it's like Jane Doe therapist wants you to like Jane Doe play therapy in the Bahamas. 
I don't know Jane Doe, but that just kind of left me with, and, and this has happened multiple times, but it leaves me with this feeling of just like, oh, I'm just another number to you. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. You're alike. You're not a. You're not a relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what am I? Just a number to you? Yeah, I think it's it's hard because I think there's also folks who I know if I friend them on Facebook or at a business conference or whatever that I can immediately do that because we've started developing that and it's very businessy. It's like, hey, let's support each other on Facebook and let's do that real quick. But I think doing that as a blanket thing isn't good because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who just either they don't get it and they don't want to be involved in that, or they really just don't have the relationship with you to, to want to put their name on things. So I think it, it is important to be very thoughtful when you're having someone engage with your brand, with your content, because if they don't want it, it's not good. In our episode on the brand called You, and we do have a workshop that's available that Katie and I do in person as well, we talk about the overall feeling of what it's like to be in a relationship with you. And if the first steps that you're showing of what it's like to be a relationship with you is that you're going to be marketed to all the time by being my friend, then people aren't going to want to be around that. Especially in our field that's so relational. Mm -hmm. It is about building that trust and about building those friendships that then does make us want to go and support each other's businesses. And I know in the real world of having networked with some people. I'm great friends with people that just because of our professional interests, we're in very different ends of the field, but I'm very, very friendly with them. And they're very, very friendly with me. And we don't push at all into each other's space when it comes to overly marketing to each other. On the other hand, there's people that I recently meet that I'm very excited to try out what they're doing. And I do want to hear more of it, but it's about me opting into it. Yeah. And I think it's it can be hard because I think oftentimes, depending on how your business is set up, if you have other things besides your therapy practice, oftentimes you can be really excited to talk about things. And I know this is where I sometimes will stray into this, where I'm just so excited to talk about what I'm doing that I, I'm effusive about it. I talk about it endlessly. And I have to remember that not everybody's interested in hearing about our podcast, Kurt, like not every single person <laughs> wants to know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's recognizing that even if it's coming from a good place, even if you're super excited, sometimes you have to dial it back <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and you want to make sure that, and I'll go back to this. You want to make sure that you're really not taking it personally. Yes, our businesses are personal. Yes, we're doing this because we're passionate about it and we see a need. And we can identify the person across the way who has a client or who would be a good client or whatever who needs to know about our services. And so we need to let people know, but not in a way that's like hitting them over the head with a hammer. <laughs> right. Well. Not, it doesn't help them. I'm looking at my my phone here and the little unread email number that's that's on my icon here. Mm-hmm. 61,500 oh, as of today. Oh my goodness. Okay, that's a whole other episode we should do about email inbox management, dude. <laughs> so but, but the vast majority of these are emails from from therapists from businesses that it's just a newsletter email that mm-hmm. gets tacked on that gets tacked on that it's either something that I'm, I, I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. And yeah, as, as I send out my emails for, for my practice that 
I, I send out maybe, maybe two a month on a busy month. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm really on the other end of this is like, maybe I, I don't have enough of an online marketing campaign going, but you know, I'm, I'm trying to be very, very respectful of people's inbox time and that I'm not just advertising to them all the time that the communications that I am giving them are things that do need to be opened and do need to be read. But I have one company that I've tried to unsubscribe from them. This is not even a therapy company, but I've tried to unsubscribe from them like five or six different times in the last week. I'm still getting three emails a day from them. That's just against the law though. I mean, it, and I, it's like, what do you do? Like, do you go and try to, to file something or you just keep- Turn them into the internet police? <laughs> I think it's probably, there's probably consumer protections that would help you out, especially if they happen to, to market to anybody in the EU. I think, you know, the reign of, of terror can come down on them. <laughs> if they, if they basically continue to hold you hostage with the bazillion emails that they're sending. But yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of different ways that it can be very challenging to unsubscribe. I think for me, I've try to figure out ways that people can unsubscribe or, or opt out of hearing about specific events or that kind of stuff. Because there's some people who have unsubscribed from my list. I actually had a conversation with somebody and he's like, I unsubscribed. I was like, yeah, I went down a road. I had a big event and I sent too many emails and you unsubscribed. He's like, oh, but I want to hear about other stuff. And I was like, I could add you back if you want. But, <laughs> but you know, you know, when you do that, when you have too many emails and, and, Obviously, mine was easy enough to unsubscribe from. But if you if you get to this place where people are feeling hostage because you know you they can't unsubscribe, or if they unsubscribe, they get an inquiry about it, or you know whatever it is, if it's something where you just can't get out, you're not going to to use their service. You potentially start providing negative reviews, and for a therapist, we can't actually do anything about those things. So I think it's it's something where our, our word has to be our bond. We have to follow the rules because it is so important for our clients to trust us. And if we've gotten people into our office because we've done some shady things, it's not a good place to start the relationship. And the other end of it is it's breaking down the referral sources that would be sending you those clients in the first place. And I've long ascribed to, I'm not at a point in my career where I'm chasing clients anymore, but I'm really about fostering relationships with great referral sources. And I don't want to alienate those people. I want to let them know things that I'm doing, changes in my practice, changes in who works for me, or if I am adding new services, whether it's through me or through the clinicians who work for me. Those are the kinds of things that I might send out as a, hey, here's, here's things that are new in my office, but I'm not pushing out there 70 times a week about here's my next workshop or here's my next group. And I, I have 37 seats left and I'm, you know, <laughs> here, here's, here's my brand new podcast episode. And here's, you know, this thing that my, my associates doing, and here's the next thing that I'm doing that generally those things will probably come up in whatever in-person conversations that we have or on the phone, but I don't want to take over people's time and have them ignore when the important stuff does come out. Well, and I think this there's two pieces to this. The first one is email inboxes are no longer really that effective at getting a lot of visibility. They certainly are a piece and it can be a very effective way to get some information to somebody, especially if they want it. But if it's if it feels like an unsolicited marketing piece, people aren't opening it, they're not reading it. It's just one of the how many 
Do you have unread on your phone right now? 61,000 plus. So it's the 61,000 plus emails that they're just not reading. So, so part of it is noise. You're not breaking through the noise if you're sending a lot of unsolicited emails. If it's something where, wow, I rarely receive an email from Kurt, I'm going to read that email then it, it's very different than like, oh, that's the 27,000th email from Katie. I don't think I need to read it <laughs> because it's just more of the stuff that I really don't want to hear about. I think the other thing is that oftentimes people will not do what's called segmenting their list. And it's really important to segment your list where you send different things to different audiences. So there can be the client-facing client list. And this is something where you don't necessarily have your clients sign up. Some people have done that, but I, I don't know that I would automatically sign my clients up for a newsletter. But there's stuff that's more community-facing. Maybe that's a better way to describe <laughs> it, where you do a a service to the community and you can send out tips and tools. You can send out, you know, how to manage your team. You can send out, you know, avoiding burnout, whatever your thing is, you can have some sort of series of emails or a, a paper or something that that's client or community facing that sets you up as a, as a resource to the community, which other therapists may not want. Like I, you know, honestly, if I were to get something from you about managing teens, it has no relevance to me. And I don't know that I would necessarily be like, oh, well, I'm going to pass this on to my client because unless I'm referring my client to you, it doesn't help you and it doesn't help the client necessarily unless it's just such fabulous information. <laughs> As a therapist, I don't know that I want to get the community facing information unless I've specifically chosen it because it also relates to me, which managing teens is not something that relates to me. So there's community facing, and then there's referral source facing, and that's the professional side. And I think being able to identify whether you're doing a workshop on supervision or branding or an amazing conference, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like that type of information has a, it's, it faces differently. And for us behind the scenes, I'm doing the, the email marketing because you can tell Kurt's so good at it. <laughs> You're like maybe one email a month. But I've segmented our list so that people will get information on the podcast. They can decide if they want to get information on events. You know, so our list is even segmented, even though it's just us doing our stuff, you know, and some people are signed up for both because they've either opted into it or or signed up earlier on. But, but you know, I'm really trying to get very specific because we have podcast listeners who aren't going to come to events in LA. And I don't want people to keep getting these things unless they're, you know, really interested in them. So, so if you're on our list, please, you know, go to the last email and choose what you want to receive if you haven't already. <laughs> so much of this just comes down to that trust that if you're pushing people away, think of how hard it was to build that list in the first place or to build those referrals in the first place. And if you're alienating them and they're dropping off, it's incredibly expensive time-wise, monetary-wise to build good referral sources or to build your list back up. So if everybody's opting out or if the great referral source that you have is dropping out, what does it take to replace that? And if that's something where it's really expensive or it's really hard to do something like that, make sure that you're fostering that relationship in a positive and healthy and productive way that does want them to continue to engage with you. And so this is where in looking, maybe not necessarily just at the email stuff, but in some of the other opportunities to connect with them, whether it's online, that it's really looking about the engagement that happens. If you 
have 700 Facebook posts that are only getting a couple of likes and nobody commenting on them, it's maybe a sign that you're overdoing things. But really, the better content that you can create is around the stuff that is going to create engagement. And even though this is several months after we recorded the episode, I still have people coming up to me that are like, yeah, I'm totally on hashtag team Kurd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I also get people who are still on hashtag team Katie. And for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, check out our episode on walking the line between coaching and therapy. We'll put a, a link in the show notes. But yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think that there's different strategies. So I don't think that there's a one size fits all, especially for social media marketing. I think for some things it is, you know, as much you know, there is some visibility pieces because you're not forcing people necessarily to see what you're putting out there. Because if it's not engaging, people aren't getting it in their feed. But I think it is something where you want to be thoughtful. If you're spending time doing something, it is much better to have people engage and interact with you and develop the relationship rather than just being kind of a, a I've heard Twitter, like almost like a radio show. Like it's like you just, you know, like it's constant, you know, you want a lot of you want a lot of posts on Twitter, but on on Facebook, you want engaging posts. You want people to be interacting and digging in. You know this conversation as far as strategy, but you don't want to be in a place where you're putting stuff out where people are annoyed and either scrolling past quickly or deleting the email or debating and subscribing or spending any kind of negative emotional energy on you because that rolls over into the actual in-person relationship. And it it's it's just bad. There's a whole book and I actually probably should read it more closely, but Seth Godin wrote a book called Permission Marketing. And it is something where in that he does talk about why it's better to have a list, an engaged list of 10 you know, and I don't know what numbers he uses, but it's better to have an engaged list of 10 than a disengaged list of 500. You know, you mm-hmm. want the people to be interacting. You want to have their permission to give them the information because those are the people you want to spend the time with. So earlier, Katie mentioned some of the laws outside of the GDPR that would come up. And I think the big one here in the United States is the Can Spam Act. And I think this came out in the 90s or so. And it covers a number of different areas realistically, and this is not a good legal defense, but I think that most of us who have small businesses, small practices like this, we're small potatoes when it comes to investigating these kinds of things. And that's not permission to flaunt the law or to act out against it, but it is really kind of something where you're a professional. You're supposed to follow the laws even if you don't have to. So the Can Spam Act talks about things like identify messages that are ads and don't use deceptive subject lines and monitor what other peoples are doing on your behalf and honoring opt-out requests promptly. A lot of the email marketing software will automatically remove people if they click a couple of buttons, but don't put those people who are going to opt out, you know, don't just call email addresses from psychology today because you think it might be people who are interested in a particular topic of a workshop or they're people who you think might be good referral sources for you that in other words be good people be really nice about it and like katie said about seth godin's book it's better to have actively engaged people than it is to just keep pulling up numbers and keep pulling up numbers because at a certain point 
I would have to question, and it comes back to that, am I just a number to you? or <laughs> are, are those larger email lists going to be sold someplace else? And that is part of the laws, both in the EU and here in the US, is that you need to be upfront with what you're doing with people's information. And this was really made a lot stricter with the GDPR in that you don't use people's information in ways that they're not allowing you to. And that's where some of those penalties really do come in. And while you might be small potatoes, if you are investigated, that might be all of the potatoes that you have. <laughs> yeah, you protect your potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's something where we don't have time now to go into what GDPR is. There's a plenty of resources on that as far as, you know, the laws related to, you know, kind of what's going on in the U.S. as, as far as spam laws and that kind of stuff. We'll put some links in our show notes with the, the relevant information. But regardless of what the laws are, do what makes sense. Just only give the information to people who want it. Don't force yourself. You know, you don't have to sit back and wait for somebody to ask. You can certainly ask them, would you like the information? Just don't force it. You know, I think there's a whole other problem of, of hiding and not telling anybody what, what you're doing. So don't be afraid to tell people what you're doing. Just don't force people to listen. So we'll include some links to GDPR and a couple of the other resources that we mentioned during the show in our show notes. You can find those on our website, mtsgpodcast.com. While you're there, you can opt into our email lists. But also check out our Therapy Reimagined conference happening in October of 2018 here in the Los Angeles area. We have two days and 14 continuing education units where we are talking about crafting better clinicians, about the experience of how to be a clinician, not just what you do. So you can find that on our website. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes.